Welcome to the unofficial House of Wind book club, ran by two best friends and self-declared members of the Night Court. Today, we are discussing not a single chapter from A Court of Thorns and Roses. Today, we're having our second book club meeting to discuss one of our favorite authors. No? <laughs> I mean, we guess, but no. I mean, yeah, but no, that's not what the prompt said at all. <laughs> Try again. Oops. Today, we're having our second book club meeting to discuss one of our other favorite books, Fourth Wing. I know you can hear me from the dark. I know you're listening from afar. I thought that no one could fix me. Can't get hold of my feelings with you in my head, with you in my heart. I'm not afraid of the dark. No, you're not kidding that this is your other favorite book series. How many copies of Fourth Wing do you currently own? Abby, ma'am, do I currently own in my current possession? Yes. Okay. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> in my current possession, explain. I have three copies of Fourth Wing in my house at this very moment. <laughs> to be fair. <sighs> Before I read the book, before you bullied me into reading the book. <laughs> I really did. I went to Target and they had the sprayed edges and I was like, I don't want to buy this book and I hate it. And then I own the copy of book I can't stand. So I didn't buy it. And then I read the book and I fucking loved it. And I couldn't find the sprayed edges because they were all fucking gone. So I messaged my mother and my sister and I call her my sister-in-law already. My soon-to-be sister-in-law, my sister's amazing fiance. I love you, Maddie. You're so great. She's so pretty. She's so sweet. I mean, she's a wonderful human being also, but like, she's so cute. She is so pretty. Sunshine, you are so lucky. Anyway, uh, so I messaged all of them because they all live in different areas with different targets. And I was like, hey, if you guys manage to find this book with sprayed edges, send it to me. I will send you the money for the book and the mailing, all of it. And my mom, I don't know. I don't know that she um, saw my message completely or like if i i probably worded it badly but she she saw the keyword she saw get me this book and she did it she did and you know what she did she it was a first edition still it was amazing it was it didn't have sprayed edges didn't matter it was super sweet i got the book and i was like hey you know what i still have a book at least like this is awesome I was super excited, but at the same time, my mom had ordered and sent it to me, which she didn't make me pay her. It was like, she was so sweet about it. My husband had also went and ordered the book for me, also no sprayed edges. And I was like, hey, this is super sweet of both of you. I love it. And we figured, you know, he's going to read it eventually. I'll have one copy. He'll have the other. So we kept both copies. And then for my birthday this year, my husband... Because I still, every time we go to a store, I still actively just double check. Because you never know. What if they had one in the back they forgot to put out? I don't know. Something. So my husband went and he got on a bidding war and he got me a sprayed edges copy for my birthday. And so I got that and I like squealed and was excited and was like crying and it was like the best thing ever. So right now I have three copies and then <laughs> he also pre-ordered me the exclusive edition of the fourth wing with solid black sprayed edges that will match the Iron Flame book coming out with the two additional chapters in Zayden's perspective uh, added. So I will have four copies of fourth wing and I will have one special copy of Iron Flame when that comes out as well. 
So, <laughs> Libby, that's so many. I'm a book hoarder now. I've joined. It's so many, and I don't want to part with any of They're so beautiful. They're all just so pretty. Hey, how many copies do you think I have? I don't want to say. Not one. <laughs> Not a single one, buddy. <laughs> Because you're so you're in another country and it's harder for them to get there. Okay, we do have to talk about how pissed off I am that you guys will get your pre-ordered book the day it's released. Like it'll be shipped to your house on time. And I have to wait two weeks. Oh. That's all I have to say about that. Do you think when the books get to bookstores, because they have to get there before they're released, the day before they're, right, at least the day before. Minimum. Do you think the workers like are like, reading them when they get them because i i would i couldn't be hired i would i don't know if they're like under lock and key but i think they'd almost have to be i would work to be a manager of a bookstore just to have the access so no one's ever gonna hire me now at like barnes and noble or anything but <laughs> they're like libby they hear this damn you i have to tell you if i did not have to work for money I would work at a bookstore. Hands down. A local bookstore. A small book chain. Yep. If money wasn't an issue, I think my husband and I would go halvesies. I'd have like the bookstore on my half and he would have like his little gaming stuff. Little. That was so rude. His gaming stuff. His little gaming stuff. And by gaming, I mean like his D&D &D and Warhammer and video games, like all the things. Send the guys to their half of their store or whoever. You girls, I don't care. You go do, go do your D&D &D thing and then come to my side for the smutty book side. Like, come on. Did I not tell you that James wants to open up a coffee shop slash bar? I was gonna say down the middle, we gotta have a little cafe. So during the day, it would be a coffee shop and at nine, it'd be a bar. I love this. Can we copyright this? I was gonna say, maybe when we live in the same area, we can we're never gonna live in the same area again. I already know this. No. You gotta blame the military. Dang it. We can dream. Oh, that's so sad. Let's make it a chain. <laughs> we can dream. All right, the reason we're here my friend, why are we actually here? Books. Lots of them. We read too much. <laughs> Not just books. <laughs> One specific book. Do you want to break down for our listeners how today's episode is going to work? Yeah, so we're not professionals. I, I'm sure we've told you that. I'd be a little honored if they thought we were. Like, that's really kind. I think they'd be a little Delulu if they thought we were, to be honest. <laughs> but We do not in any form claim to be good oh, at no. or, or professional at any of this. We're just here and not even completely here mentally. So what I'm saying is we are going to read some questions are they going to be in order of the book no no uh not even a little bit are they going to make sense probably not are our responses going to be really thoughtful again you're asking a lot of us friends what we do promise is we will talk about fourth wing we will be very opinionated have lots of thoughts and we'll share all of it there are going to be spoilers don't walk into this thinking that you're not going to get things ruined so if you haven't read the book or you aren't finished with it and you don't want us to ruin it, then maybe don't listen. But be forewarned. And I don't want any hate mail if we ruin something for you. No hate mail, please. I cry so easily, guys. We've got lots of questions. Anyway, Libby, do you want to read question number one? So from Zayden, fascinating. You look all frail and breakable, but you really are a violent little thing, aren't you? At the beginning of the book, Violet sees herself as frail and bookish, yet her mother forces her into the writer program. Zayden sees Violet's fighting potential fairly soon. Was this a matter of Violet simply becoming more mature, self-aware, or training up? 
Did Zayden and Violet's mother see the strength that others couldn't see? What do you think? I think yes. I think Zayden especially sees Violet's potential. I have theories and I have thoughts about Violet's mother. But focusing on Zayden, I think that he saw at the core what she could become. I think Violet did not see that in herself right away. I think that she had been babied by, maybe unintentionally, by a lot of people in her life. <clears throat> Dane, cough, cough. Fuck him. Anyway, Mira, I think unintentionally her older sister Mira did tend to baby her and protect her. And I get it as an older sister of a ridiculous amount of siblings. Um, 74. 96 and growing. No, I'm kidding. There, there's not more. There's not more. Abby's face. Oh my God. No, 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 no. Not growing. Surprise. Get your parents some condoms. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no. I think my mom's going to kill me for making that joke anyway. I'm so sorry, guys. As the oldest sibling of many kids, I totally get wanting to make sure that my siblings don't ever have to go through anything hard or difficult and wanting to keep them safe and protected. So I get where Mira would be coming from. But because of people like Mira or Dane or whoever else coddling her so much, I don't think that she believed in herself until a little later on after training and saying that she could build up her strength. She could become this person able to not only protect herself, but others. And your thoughts? I think she knew from the get-go that she was strong enough because she had the opportunity to have Dane take her back. Scribe quadrant. Ooh, good point. And something inside her said, no, I can do this. She was actually offended that he was trying to bring her back to the scribe quadrant. Very true. So I think while she was worried, knew at the end of the day, this was something that she could do. I, I have to agree. That's a good point. Now, do I think that her mom did it out of uh, the goodness of her heart? No, I think her mom was not a very nice woman. And... It was either you're going to do this and you're going to be a writer just like every other Swordengale or you're not going to live. I don't think there was any kindness behind it. Which also a mother here. I don't understand that. How anyone could be like, either you die or you don't. Uh, no, I'm sorry. No, never am I going to throw my kid into the fire to where death is an option. Not caring what your kid wants. That's a big no-go. Right. Like she just did not care what her kid thought. It was, this is what you're going to do. I went back and forth a lot with her mom where I wondered, is she more worried about her reputation and the reputation of their family? Or does she just not give a shit? Does she kind of just hope that Violet will be taken care of in the process and not a problem anymore? I know that's dark. This is my thought. I think Violet reminds her mother a lot of her dad. And it could have been painful to have that constant reminder of your late husband around you all the time i looked a lot like my brother and after he passed i felt there were people that had a hard time looking at me that pisses me off because i looked like him and then there were people that found comfort in the fact that i looked like him so i don't know i that is a possibility pisses me off because not your fault it sucks but we did we looked enough alike that like I'd make a facial expression and like, it'd be like, oh, like that looks like Nick a lot. I see your brother in you. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I get it. I just, it makes me mad that people would be upset. But I think that it could be a huge reason behind that her mom was like, I'm either not going to see you for three years while you're in school. Or ever again. <laughs> or ever again. So either way, I'm not going to have to deal with the reminder of my dead husband. That 
is also a very real possibility. Ta-da. There was one theory about her mother that really made me question how good of a person she was because we know that her mother could control storms. Mm-hmm. And when Violet is crossing the parapet... A big storm happens. There's a storm that suddenly comes in. Okay, here's my thoughts on that. Okay. I think her mom was just testing her. I really don't think it's a big deal. She's going through a test already, though. Like, why would you do that if she's already being tested? She's a Sorengale. She has to be better than everybody else. But she's a Sorengale that is notorious for getting injured like extremely and (laughs) like her mom obviously has no consideration or she wouldn't have put her kid in you know true Okay. I feel like it's very much something my mom would do. I don't think you're defending her mom by any means, but I understand that you're explaining where you think her mom's thought process would have been. Right. I believe that is something my mom would have done. Uh, It's a sink or swim, and it's not a normal people sink or swim. It's a sink or swim for Sorengale. You know, I think in previous generations, not Tate, if there are any listening to us, that was a common thing, though, for people to do with their kids was just throw them in to sink or swim to see either you'll figure it out or you'll fail. It's on you. And I don't necessarily agree with that parenting style. Right. But I do think that that was a common one for our parents and grandparents even. So we're coming to the conclusion that we think Zayden saw the strength in her while her mom was just trying to test her. Yes. Second question is, Violet says, I will not die today. And yet, she nearly dies at many points throughout the book, both from the rigors of training and her fellow students. How do you think you would have responded to those many threats? I've been in plenty of situations where my health has been... Questionable? Extremely dire. Is that a good... (laughs) Questionable is a good way to put it, but I've come close to a lot of situations where I'm sure if I just laid there and accepted things, I could have just died plenty of times. I did. But there have been plenty of points... You did. You also have been in those situations. Yeah. Uh, no, no. I was going to say I did call us uh, the great medical disaster gang. So. I stand by it. She's not lying, guys. <laughs> My mom likes to call us the one percenters. Yeah. Because it's like, it's like a one percent chance of something happening and yet it keeps happening mm. to us. So. Yeah. And so I was like, why? What? I have enough working against me. What is going on? Murphy's law. What can't happen will. Right. <laughs> There's been plenty of times where I have felt that where I could have just been like, I'm tired, I'm done. But I felt very relatable to Violet where she says, I will not die today. And I've been there where I'm like, nope, this is not happening. Like you push through and you know that there's been plenty of pain and situations that for normal people you would be hospitalized for and I'm and I'm over here like nope you will get through this do I think you're an idiot a lot of the time for that and you should just go to the hospital yes do I get a lot of warning texts from you absolutely have I threatened to call 911 yes multiple times (laughs) but I get what you're saying she is not normal And she knows that. And what would have been excruciating end of the world pain for another person is just a a Tuesday for Violet. Well, I think we can relate to that. We especially have been in those situations. And so for her to say what we have thought to ourselves plenty of times, I will not die today. It was like, hell yeah, right there with you. Uh, Rebecca and Sarah, uh, Sarah are obviously both fantasy authors. I really do feel like even if Rebecca doesn't know it consciously, she pulled a lot from SJM's character development in these books. And we're not saying that she stole No, She didn't steal anything. No, 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 no. Do not interpret it that way. No, I'm just saying that there is uh, some similarities in the character development here. And this very much is uh, reminds me of I am with my friends and I'm not afraid. (gasps) 
Stop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of my name is Selena Sardothian and I'm not scared. It gives me very much um, don't let the hard days win vibes. You will not fear. You will not falter. You will not yield. Yes. It's my favorite part of character development because we all face hardships in life. And I will not die today is a good one when in reality she very much could have died. We might have medical disasters that bring us to near death. Well, and one that you will get to uh, that I'm sure some of our listeners know of uh, to whatever end. I mean, these are two authors where their quotes are empowering and they give us something to hold on Mm -hmm. to and to push through. And they have helped all of us or I am the rock against which the surf surf crashes. crashes. I mean, these are things that thank you for putting into words the things. It's like we feel these things, but now it's like this. This embodies those feelings. And I love seeing characters that should be broken and are considered weak and less than and seeing them rise up and break through and to, to grow beyond those things. I mean... It makes it relatable. They're not just these perfectly written hero characters. They have their faults. They have their slip-ups. And here they are fighting. And one of her things is not only facing very treacherous and scary tasks ahead of her, but one of those scary challenges that she has to deal with is her own health. A lot of our other favorite main characters don't face a health issue. No. And so for... All of these great things and grand things that Violet's going through. At the end of the day, she's still somebody who's medically frail, but she's able to conquer. For her to have all these medical issues and still be able to kick ass is really nice for other humans like us who might also be dealing with those medical issues. It's nice to see someone with what can be considered a disability Mm -hmm. to be the hero and be the one to root for and be proud of and cheer for. And not just be caked over where it's like, oh, I have this one thing and it's hard, but really it won't affect me at all. No, we see her go through trials and hardships. And says, this hurts, this sucks. I have to take more steps than a normal person would to get this done. I have to plan harder, work harder, force my body to get to, to handle more. To be at a normal level, which we've talked about for you before. That's very difficult. It's, and I can relate previously, not in this current section of life, but to where you have to do more than the average person to get to their base level. Right. My dad had showed me, it was like a drawing and it's like, there's a straight line. That's just a starting point where everyone wakes up and they're at a straight line. And then there's people who, when they wake up, they're below that straight line. They are not at the starting point and whether it's mental health and they have to find a way to get up to that, that base point, that base level that everyone else just wakes up and is already at or a physical disability or literally anything that puts you at that disadvantage. You have to put in that extra effort just to be alive and contributing and functioning like most people just are naturally that is a lot. It is hard to get from the negatives to a, a, a point zero, just a zero starting point. And she has to do that. I mean, I have to do that. And so I, I don't, maybe that's why this book touched home so much. But to have someone where it's like every day, just being alive is a fight to stay alive. And other people just wake up and they just they just are. They just walk around and they just are. So how do you think we would have responded to those many threats? We kind of live with them every day. So <laughs> absolutely right there with her. Like Violet would. 
If you lived in the books world, which quadrant would you want to be part of and why? Would you consider entering the writer's quadrant knowing the fatal risks it entails? I want to say that I would enter the writer's quadrant because it seems like the one you're supposed to want, but in actuality, I would probably go to the scribe quadrant because of how much I like to read and like history. I don't think I'd have the guts to to be a writer knowing the percentage of people who fail. I think being as realistic as possible as someone who also has an autoimmune disease and a chronic uh, illness because of that autoimmune disease, I don't think I would handle being in the writer's quadrant very well. I think it would be something I would just be unhappy doing on top of the strain it would take on me. I think I'd be the happiest in the healer's quadrant. I was literally gonna say I could see you being a healer. Neither of us would be infantry, let's be real. Oh no, God no. But I could very much see you in the healer squadron. I love the idea of the scribe quadrant, but I just know the healer squadron, I would be so happy doing that. Helping people. I feel like I'd be able to do the most there. So I guess the, the second half, would you consider entering knowing the fatal risks? No. <laughs> I don't think it's an issue for us. <laughs> Not for us. If I'm trying to think uh, and relate to like parents' wishes, my parents never... I mean, not that I could, but let's say I could, never forced me to go to the military route. They never forced me to do anything that I wouldn't want to do myself. Yeah. So I, I don't think that that would be an issue. So I really do feel like with my love of reading and love of history, the scribe quadrant would would be a perfect fit. I would not uh, go knowing that uh, half of my classmates would be dead. I think my parents would be absolutely against me going in the writer's quadrant knowing how deadly it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would also be very against my child. Entering the writer's quadrant? Yeah, not against. If if she was like, this is her passion, I would be fucking terrified. I think I'd cry all the time until I knew her three years were, were over and she made it. It would be a very stressful. You would have the biggest panic attack. Every day. Every day. I would not be able to handle not talking to her. It would be too much. It would be way too much for me to handle. But if that's what she wanted, I'd have to like, I'd ha I'd be, I'd be deep into therapy. I mean, twice a day therapy. It would be with like different therapists. It would be a lot. They'd have to have me heavily medicated to endure knowing that she's there and I can't do anything to keep her safe and protected. But <laughs> I cannot control what she chooses to do with her life either. Now imagine forcing your child to do that no does it put it in a little bit different perspective being a mom it does that's why i struggle with violet's mom even if i was in the writer's quadrant and i was amazing and i was the best there was i was i was in the exact same situation that doesn't mean i would want to throw my kid into that line of fire i would want her to do whatever is going to keep her happiest and safest i want her healthy and alive that's how i want my kid i want her healthy happy and alive that would be the best career choice whatever gives me all three of those which is selfish i know but god i mean and of course you'd let it be up to her you're not saying that you wouldn't let her i mean i wouldn't tell her i'm in therapy for it but i would be <laughs> i would be the most supportive parent and as soon as like i'm behind closed doors i'd be like ah, it'd be a fucking mess huge mess but thank god we don't have to deal with that right now i don't think i'm gonna have that issue with her i really don't we can only hope i think she'll be in the mortuary <laughs> quadrant mortician she'll be a healer too she's just uh healing dead people it's fine she's the mortician yeah i think my child will be in the funeral business okay next question Andarna said that signets reflect who the writer is at their core 
How do you think lightning wielding reflects violet? What signet did you find most beneficial? Which one would you want? I think for violet, we have seen her have a hard time accepting that she has a lightning signet because she feels it's like death and destruction. I think it's a spark in her. I think she doesn't realize, she does obviously, we know she realizes she has strength. I don't think she realizes how strong she is. And this is just an example of like just how much power she can have and she doesn't truly see that yet. And I think that's why she had a hard time with it. Nor does she know how to control it. I hate it. I think the most beneficial, there's two. The one that I hate is Dane's. I think it's very useful. Yeah. Very beneficial being able to read people's history, their mind like that. Very, very helpful for him. I fucking hate him for how he uses it, but it's a great signet. The other one that I think was incredibly helpful was Brennan's signet to heal. As a writer to be able to heal. I think that was probably the most crucial necessary one you could have because a lot of these bring control and power and destruction, but that one felt like one of the very few that actually did something to heal and help. I'm gonna join you with why I think that Violet's signet is both it derives from her mom, the ability Mm, to control storms, lightning, but I also, it's that untapped power that even she doesn't know she has. I think that's really cool. I love that Rebecca did that. Next question. What signet did I find most beneficial? So I'm looking at the whole list of them because there was way more than I remember. And Darnum was really cool. Her ability to stop time. Oh, yes. I think that would be helpful no matter what. I mean, in war, and we saw it happen in battle, she was able to stop time to save Liam the first time. (laughs) Also, I think General Melgren, his ability to see the battle's outcome before it happens, that would probably, if we're talking, if we're living in a world of war, that would be the most beneficial one. Easy. You know... Which one terrified me was intrinsic, where they could like hear and see everything that was happening and the ability to read the minds without physical contact. And they just immediately put him down for it. (gasps) Yeah. Okay. Why do you think that is though? It was Jeremiah. Jeremiah had it. Why do you think that is? It's too much of a risk. And at that point, teaching them to control it would have to be easier and faster because he's taking in so much information that he could grab from them and use it against them whether he means to or not it's too much of a safety that's why i think they killed him i agree their their excuse was because it's just too much for them to handle they'll never be able to control them no they're gonna get you in trouble and spill and know your secrets without you wanting them to know it. I think that there could have been a better way to handle it. What do you mean? Immediate murder wasn't the answer. I mean, shoot, even it may not be the greatest way. Isolate him and get it and slowly work with him one on one to learn to control and handle it. Don't just fucking kill him. That could be one of the best best signets there are. There is, but it could be used against. This is why I think they did it. It could be used against them in. Uh, with the rebellion easy you'd never know i think that would have been more of why they put him down than the it's too hard to teach it oh 100 that's an excuse oh yeah absolutely there were a lot of really good ones there's also there was one where they could siphon power from other people yeah right how how amazing just take away other people's power you're the strongest one out there you're the only one out there that can actually do anything but if the general already knows the outcome they wouldn't even show up you know i think they're all uh, super amazing i'd kill to have any of them 
I would not actually kill. <laughs> I mean, there's one where it's like breathing underwater. I mean, that, shoot, I'd just be like, I'm, I'm living underwater, guys. I'm done. I'm out. Bye, guys. I'm done with this world. Have fun. I'll come out when the war is over because we're clearly leading up to it. So, bye. So Zayden is given the choice by Colonel Eidos. You have the choice of abandoning the village of our enemy or abandoning the command of your wing to test his loyalty. Since they choose to save the village, do you think any of them will be able to return to Bazgayeth? And if so, how? Thoughts and feelings, Elizabeth? I don't see how they can because Dane clearly knows that they're going to die when this happens. What he says to Violet, like, I'll miss you or whatever. Oh. <laughs> he knows. Mm-hmm. Bitch baby. I'm going to I'm gonna do a huge back cycle real quick. From the moment we met Dane, the moment he was like, we need to get you out of here. I, one of the first things I sent to you, because I, I was sending you texts as we were going through this. I said, fuck him. I don't like him. I told you right out of the gate. I was like, I don't like this guy. Day w- minute one. Oh, did, so did you feel that way? I know that's not the question, but how did you feel about Dane? from the start that's a trick question for me okay i thought he was her comfort blanket okay i thought he was going to be somebody that she'd rely on heavily when she didn't need to i didn't think it was going to turn out the way it did by anybody's imagination i know my red flags i know my red flags i just thought something was off with him he obviously cared about her but Something was off. I felt so many red flags from him. Immediately. Right away. And then throughout the book, it only got weirder. I got I got uncomfy with him a lot. Like when he would kiss her or try to be all touchy with her. And I was like, this doesn't seem right. Then I bet you loved when they kissed and she felt nothing. Oh, man. I was, I literally was like, oh, thank God. Like I was so relieved. I was like, okay, so I'm right. I'm right. Rebecca. Second bestie Rebecca here. Come on, girl. Bestie number two. Bestie number two. Come on, girl. Like, and I was so relieved that the vibes I was getting were right. However, I am nervous because we've learned not to trust our bestie SJM. And I really don't want I think we got a little trauma. A little residual trauma. I am. I've got a lot of... A little bit of PTSD with the SJM books. I'm a little scared about Rebecca breaking my heart with these characters. Yeah. Many people have so kindly pointed out the rewarding text at the beginning of the book. Oh, let's not talk about it. I cannot emotionally handle that and I will cry. We can't handle it. No. No, no. <laughs> you know. The, no. The, the, no? Okay. Okay. It makes me so mad because I read that and I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's interesting. Uh, by, by read, I mean y'all listen to this on audible right but i was like oh that kind of stinks but that i didn't kind of you don't really understand when you first read it mm-hmm. and then to be like oh my god no thank you many thoughts and feelings so i'm a little i'm a little nervous i'm hoping that my feelings from this book about the characters were right and that i'm not about to get a big slap in the face i have a side question what do you feel about the people who already have tattoos from Fourth Wing? Nervous. I'm so nervous for you guys. You should never get a tattoo of a book series that's unfinished, is my personal thoughts and feelings. Oh, absolutely. The tattoos that we are planning for for SJM, I feel comfortable with because we're so deep into those series or we have finished them that we know what we're getting into. Now, this is the first of what I think she said there's going to be like five, five or more. So... <laughs> I mean, ride that wave, girl. You're, you're making money. Very smart. I saw somebody got a tattoo, a Tamlin-related tattoo after the first book That was of a joke, buddy. A Court of Thorns and Roses. Was yes. it? Yes. 
Oh, God. Oh, God. Thank goodness. Because that was a joke. I know exactly the one you're talking about. <laughs> oh, thank God. And I was so, so sad for them. I was like, just don't even keep reading. I if, don't even keep going now. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. <laughs> No. I, I was so sad for them. I was like, you are the only person I will ever tell to not keep reading. Like that, you don't want to know. <laughs> That's all you need to read. No, it was a joke. An acquaintance came over to my house this week to pick up. Remember how I was mm-hmm. emotionally attached to all my clothes? Um, she came and gave my lovely old clothes a new home. And I noticed her dragon tattoo. And I was like, oh my God, you know, it's so funny. I'm covering a podcast right now about a fourth wing. And she's like, this is my fourth wing tattoo. And no, I just went, it's beautiful because I'm not going to shit on their tattoo. No, no, don't do it. Don't spoil it for her. But I, and it was beautiful. I mean, the tattoo is gorgeous. But in my head, I'm thinking, what if you end up hating the series, girlfriend? You know? There's so many reasons. There's people in real life, my friend, who, who very much have those tattoos. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have the itch. I want it. I want yes. a fourth wing bookish tat. But I'm also very aware that you can't trust our authors with these series ever. Libby, I didn't even answer the question. Do I think they're going to be able to return? Hell no. There's no way. Not kindly. No. <laughs> if they do, it will be to fight probably. I don't see how they can go with peace. At the very end of the book, when we're made aware that Violet's brother's alive? No way in hell is she going to leave him. You know what was funny? I knew that there was a twist coming. Of course. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know. But I did know... That there was a a big, huge plot twist. It was a huge thing. And as I was reading, I was just like, eh, like, okay. Like, not, not eh towards the book, but towards the surprises. I was like, I don't see how there can be something that's going to literally shock me. Oh, boy. I woke up my husband. I was like, <gasps> like, he was like, are you dying? I was like, yes. Emotionally, yes. Like, oh. It is as big to me as the ending of Crescent City 2. Yeah. That's very fair. Very fair. If we're going to draw those parallels, the same vibes. Absolutely. I remember pushing you to read Crescent City and you were like, I'm not ready. And I was like, Abby. Crescent City, while it's one of my favorite series, it, it, it is a quite a drag to get through them. And I, I do remember you being like, just freaking read the book. And I couldn't tell you why though. And you kept saying there is a big thing at the end that you're going to want to finish it for. And I kept being like, I'm going to do it. And then I was so mad because (laughs) you were sleeping (laughs) when I finished it. And so I sent you a Snapchat. I remember waking up. (laughs) Of me like dying because ah, such a good book series. Plot twist, man. Anyway, but next question, now that we can go back to the series and not talk about SJM. Okay, it seems like a common theme throughout these books is characters not being as they first appear. Dane, the good guy, Zayden, the ruthless, Violet, the weak. General Lilith Sorengale appears to be heartless. However, she is one of the few people that felt Violet was capable of becoming a writer. She also objected to having the children of the betrayers be forced to watch their parents be put to death. Do you think the future books will reveal more in depth of her character? What do you think her motive for having Violet enter the writer's quadrant was? There's a lot here, a lot to unpack. I have thoughts and feelings, and I want you to go first. I want to start with not answering a question. Uh, <laughs> Lilith is typically a name for like the dark it's it's typically a dark female name mm-hmm. and side note that's on my kids list i don't know lilith i would name my kid lilith in a heartbeat <laughs> i think in a writing perspective 
it's a huge forewarning to like someone not being a good person. Mm -hmm. Names are a huge way to show a character. And Lilith, like that's typically a very evil name. Yeah. Obviously, we also can't always trust that a bad guy is a bad guy. Mm -hmm. So I'm a little twi I'm a little torn, twisted and torn here. Dark and twisties. I don't think she's as one layered as people are making her out to be. I think that's very fair. A very fair statement. I don't think we got enough time with her. There's gotta be more. Yeah, I don't think we got enough time with her. There's gotta be more to her. Yeah, we have a lot of speculation, a lot of opinions from the characters. And one thing I do know with writers is that they'll want you to think or see something a certain way mm -hmm. just to kind of like throw you through a loop. So I think we're being guided to not like Lilith, but I'm questioning how accurate that will be. You know what a great example of Lilith could be? It could be something similar to in the Harry Potter series Snape, how we thought he was evil. He was horrible. He was the worst, one of the bad guys, one of the, mm -hmm. you know, one of Voldemort's henchmen, like one of his top guys, just to find out he was protecting Harry all along. He was someone that we all ended up falling in love with and realizing he had so much backstory and depth. Yeah. And I'm almost preparing myself for something like that with Lilith Sorengale. I mean, I hope we learn more about her because right now I just think she's a bitch. And I know there's going to be more to her yeah. than that. There's got to be. I don't think Rebecca writes one layered characters. There's There's got to be something underneath. No. But right now, all we know is she is a horrible woman who pushed her child, who physically was not ready to go and die. But do you think we're being made to not like her? Made to not understand and like her? Honestly, I think this woman poisoned her husband. Fuck. I think this woman killed her husband. So- Whoa, this is, please, is this a theory? Did I miss this? Oh, this is 100% a theory, buddy. Share with me. Yeah. Okay, so people believe that her husband knew, obviously through the hints given by Mira in the book, that her father uh, left clues that he knew about the rebellion and he knew why the rebellion was happening. And right. I think he knew too much and was in cahoots with Brennan. And I think that when Brennan died, I think the mother knows he's not really dead. And I think instead of going through the humiliation of losing her husband, she poisoned him. Question. So, and her husband was a scribe. Do you think he found something as a scribe that led him to understand that there was a rebellion happening and she didn't want Violet to go into the scribe quadrant to find what her father had found. You think maybe he had clues or something for her? And she, and is it possible that General Sorengale knew that if Violet would have followed in her father's footsteps, she too would have discovered this and found out whatever, whatever it is we're not supposed to know. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I love being into a new series. I love, I love being along for the ride. I hate the wait, love the ride. You know what? And I'm glad we got into it now when we don't have all the answers. Because while I obviously love Akatar, we know all <laughs> the answers. We know what's happening. We, or, or at least we have a majority of the answers. We didn't come into it when it was brand new. Right. I love being here and being along for the ride. And as annoying as it is, I love having to wait. Not just us not having the answers. Everyone does. Correct. Have the yeah. There's not, there's no, well, no one's at different points in the journey. At this point, if you're along for the book journey, you're at the same point. We're all like, give us what's next. What's coming. There's a lot of anticipation here. <laughs> there are no spoilers. There can't be. Because 
they're camping. Yeah. It, it, it's a really cool space to be in. Back to the main point of the question. She's got to have more depth to her. I don't know what that depth is. I hope we get to learn the storyline. But as of right now, I know Rebecca wouldn't do us dirty and just have a bitchy mom and that be it. Well, with all of Rebecca's characters, whether they're her primary or secondary characters, they all have so much depth already that she could step into another character and write a whole book around them. Oh, any just character. Just like SJM does. Yeah, and I think that some of my favorite writers, their secondary characters are characters where you could find a whole life story. They could have a whole series all to themselves and though the authors that have characters like that have background characters like that are my favorite and i think you, there's no way that general sorengale isn't going to be a character with more depth if she's putting this much information into i, I mean violet's classmates her peers you're you can't tell me that this person who we all at this point are thinking is one of the most main big bad guys or, or <laughs> negative pessimistic characters, antagonists, there we go, isn't going to have more of a background, more of a depth to her. So here's the cool thing. At the end of the book, she switched to Zayden's point of view. So we know, I feel like she is um, foreshadowing that, hey, I'm not only going to write from Violet's point of view. So I'm wondering, will we, I just got chills, will we get to see things from General Sawyer and Gail's point of view, ever. Would you want to? I don't want a whole book. <laughs> you don't? But I could go for a couple chapters. I don't know. I, I feel so attached to Violet. I don't feel ready to move on to other characters. I mean, I'm fine with other character chapters, other perspectives. I just hope we don't lose the focus on Violet either. I don't think we can. I'm hoping for something similar to Throne of Glass, where Selena is still the main focus throughout her books, but there are other focuses. There are other chapters from other perspectives, other storylines. Don't ruin the book for me. I'm th That's not ruining anything, I promise you. I'm leaving it at that. You will get other perspectives, but Selena remains the main. the main focus. Okay. And I hope that if she does go into other focuses, other perspectives, she keeps Violet the forefront of the story. I think that's a perfect ending for this one. Do you think that the spice in this book was necessary to show the intimacy between Dane and Zayden? Or do you think it was in there just to get readers to be interested in the book? Between Dane and Zayden? No. Like between Violet and Dane and Violet and Zayden? Yes. There we, yes. Got it. I'm sorry. I was like, did I miss a chapter? <laughs> <laughs> Shit, what book did I, where do I need to go pick up this copy? No. Is that in the pre-order? No, buddy. <laughs> Okay, um, I don't think Dane and Violet have enough spice to call that spice. I think it's very one-sided. I think for them, yes, absolutely, it was necessary to show Dayton. Dayton. <laughs> We're just going to make them one person. Ew, no. Dane, to me, seems like the typical, man, nobody wants a nice guy. I always get friend-zoned. Like, that's the vibe I'm getting. And I think it's necessary to show where he's like trying to push for more of a romantic relationship with Violet, even if he's accepting that that's not where it is. But the fact that he's kind of like trying to keep pushing that on her lightly, even that he is this character. He is this, he wants to be the nice guy. He's the guy that thinks he gets friend zoned and he's not appreciated. And it is necessary to show his character, to show, you know what I'm saying? Help me out here. <laughs> I think the romantic interest between the two and the beginning between 
Dane and Violet was necessary to get us interested in his character at all. Because he would have just been some old school friend that she had, that she's known forever. Yes. And so it gave it a little bit more of an interest. But I think at the end of the day, if we wouldn't have had the intimacy between Zayden and Violet, I would not have cared as much about the fact that he betrayed her. Oh, yeah. We knew they were together, but didn't know why kind of thing. I would not have cared near as much. I think we still could have seen their relationship build and grow. I guess, yes, without the spice. Do I think it would have been as fun? No. I think that the spice, it did. It brought us in more and it made us all like, oh, okay, yeah. It was more captivating. Would you have read the book as quick? I think I would have gotten bored, honestly. I think it would have been harder to get through it's that little reprieve that you need it is it makes things less dire and daunting and mission focused oh they're humans you know right they have wants and needs and desires and it shows that you know yeah they they know what they should and shouldn't be doing but at the end of the day it also shows like a passion between them and yeah i guess it's not necessary but would it have been as good of a book? I don't think it could have been. A lot of people think that sp- spice in a book is unnecessary. This might not be the podcast for you. Uh, this is not the podcast for you. Uh, we are smut lovers, my friends. <laughs> uh, but a lot of people think that having smut actually brings the quality of a book down because you're only reading it for sex. You're not reading it for the storyline. But in my head, it completely enhances the storyline and I wouldn't read the book without it. So I I think it makes it more relatable, though, too. It right. makes it more you're telling me like in a relationship that, that you, you can just completely take that out. Like, I, I don't know. That seems odd to me. We're just not going to address that relationships include a sexual aspect to them. Well, what if you're asexual and you don't enjoy reading that part of a book, but you really like the storyline? That's fair. That is very fair. I think there are books out there that provide what you're looking for. Then. Stories without sex. Yeah, I, I don't think that you need to necessarily drag down a book that does have a sex scene or multiple sexual scenes because it's not something you like the the simple the simplicity is you can dnf it you can close the book and move on you don't have to push through a book that makes you uncomfortable or unhappy and if we don't talk about the books or the types you like that's fine you don't have to listen to those things it doesn't make you bad and writers don't write for everyone right no I, I think that it wouldn't be true to her writing style if she did censor herself or change her writing to please a, a certain group of people that's she's not writing for you it's okay and that's not a bad thing you're not a bad person for not liking those books or those topics but you don't need to attack people who do <laughs> who do like that stuff us specifically also the fact that they fuck so hard that they broke a window pane. Oh my god. Right? Was beautiful. Um, I will say I didn't need the, the, the dragon pound town stuff. That was... Yeah. So I think furries are kind of weird. And so I also don't want to know about animals uh, banging. And so that part of the book was not my favorite. But like I get it because she was also trying to show like the bond between the dragon and the rider. But like you could have just told me they were really bonded. I didn't need to know that they were uh, bonded. Uh, f- fucking that was uh, that was very bonded. That was a little, maybe a little over bonded at that part. If I wanted to be part of the rider's quadrant, I don't. I think that might have. Uh, I might have changed my mind. <laughs> I don't need that. <laughs> like I know that baby dragons get born, but like um, I 
I didn't know how and I didn't want to know. Can I not? Can can you not send those feelings? Can I not be affected? Can I please shut that off? Or the fact that like they get heated when their dragons are heated. <laughs> well, and like nobody thought to warn her. And then like she was just in her room like, what the fuck? And Zayden was like, oh, hey, oh, yeah, that's a thing. And Forgot like, to tell you. Did you guys tell me that? Like, you know that these two dragons are in a relationship and do these things. So, so it's not even like, hey, this may or may not happen. You knew this was going to happen. And not out of the three of you. Like, our dragons are going to have sexy time and you're going to feel it. And I forgot to tell you. You should learn to put up your walls. Oh, I'm sorry. No. How do you? That I would never, never once in my life would I forget to warn somebody about that. That would be so ingrained. Even if I could put walls up and move past it, I would forever remember that having happened. <laughs> that, that being a thing. But they couldn't even put up like extreme walls because both of them felt it. You know what? Speaking of the dragons bond and Zayden and Violet, what really got me was when Violet was supposed to be apart from Zayden a few times. And every time he's like, well, that's not going to happen. And he's over here acting like it's because of the dragons. Part of me wondered if he's blaming the dragons not wanting to be apart when really he just didn't want to. Because he doesn't want to be apart from her. And there's a theory that I loved. I loved it that Zayden knew that Brennan was alive. He obviously was aware of this. And there's a theory that... Yeah, it wasn't a shock to him. No. Well, he took Violet to Britain to be saved. So there's a theory that Zayden fell in love with Violet before he ever knew her. He says that. Because he got to grow up hearing Britain's... I don't like that theory. It freaks me out. No? It freaks you out? That like someone that he like knew about her type thing and oh. Yeah, because I'm like, then why doesn't she remember? Like, that freaks me out. Why doesn't she remember? What? what? No, what? Have you not heard that part, that side of it? He says he's lo- No, I, I don't think we're. What? Are we talking about different things? I don't think we're talking about the same thing. Say your thing again. I think we are. No, the theory, the theory is that before Zayden ever met Violet, he grew up somewhat knowing Brennan because Brennan had died before Violet went to school the writer's quadrant so zayden also would have been younger when brennan quote unquote died and then brennan was where zayden was growing up somewhat he got to know brennan brennan told him stories of violet and he got to kind of know violet through brennan and fall in love with her and then meet her and then fall in love with her even more okay yeah okay we're talking about something what are you talking somebody was like said the same kind of thing but they were like did she like, why did he know her before? Did he drug her and remove her memories? And oh, oh my yeah, god! No, there, that's Ew. why I was like, uh, don't like that one. Ew, no. Okay. I'm glad we're not talking about the same thing because that one freaked me out. No, that would not have been cute. I would not have been like, oh, ew. That's why you were like, I want. I'm like, hello, <laughs> Libby. This is not a good thing, my friend. You good? Did I tell you how I met my husband? No, ew. <laughs> he drugged me and uh, we met and I fell in love and then... Oh, God. This all happened before... She already actually went through the parapet once. This is already all, all happened. No. Yeah, that's why I was a little Fuck freaked out. that. You have to go through parapet twice, whether you remember it or not. Oh, my gosh. I don't like that theory. Whoever said that theory, ew, stop it. Don't, don't put that out there. All right, last question, Libby. What do you think Violet's medical issues could be? Did you know the author has Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, the exact symptoms Violet lives with? Yeah, I think she was drawn from her own experiences there. And we know, actually, because Rebecca Yaros did confirm that Violet is supposed to have Ehlers-Danlos. Mm-hmm. I have an autoimmune disease, 
but I don't have Ehlers-Danlos and I heard of it. It was not familiar with the symptoms or the issues that it causes. So really quickly, I just wanna touch on those is that there's overly flexible joints, uh, the connective tissue holding your joints together is much looser. So they can move past the normal range of motion. This does cause joint pain and dislocations. That's very common. So it's not like a fun, I'm super flexible thing. No, it's like, this is painful. I'm more likely to dislocate things and get hurt and break things. It's not, it's a very painful situation. Uh, then there's stretchy skin, fragile skin. <laughs> because the connective tissue, it is weakened. It's allowing skin to stretch more. They can pull and pinch skin up. It'll snap right back into place. But the damaged skin is also very fragile and won't heal well. So the skin that would close a wound, um, it'll tear and kind of leave a gaping scar. It'll just kind of stay. Mm. These are very painful situations. There's complications that, you know, they're more at risk for fatal ruptures of blood vessels, major blood vessels, organs, um, like Jesus the uterus Christ. or intestines can rupture. Pregnancy can increase the risk of a rupture in a uterus. Like it's it's very serious. It's very painful. Yeah, this does not sound any fun, Rebecca. I'm so sorry. These aren't things that I was aware of. These weren't, I didn't know much about Ehlers-Danlos. And so I'm glad that she's bringing awareness to those of us who don't know and don't know people who are affected or live with it. And I'm glad that she's getting to kind of create this character that people want to relate to and, and live up to be, but also bringing shedding light to a very painful sy syndrome that people live with every single day. And it's clearly <sighs> not being talked about enough. No, because I didn't know any of these things. And that's a lot. To my knowledge, it's hard to diagnose. And like, there's an average lifespan of about 48 years for people with Ellis Downloads. Like it's not. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Apparently it's... Well, I thought it was just like something people didn't know they had and like, oh, you were really flexible. I didn't know you're going to die early. We're talking about organ ruptures. Oh my God. Blood vessel ruptures. Yeah, that's it's a... It's hard and... Patients with the classical and hypermobility forms of Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome have a normal life expectancy. About 80% of patients with vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome will experience a major health event by the age of 40 and the life expectancy is shortened with an average death of 48 years. Okay. There you go. Okay. Whew. It's specifically vascular EDS. I am not a doctor. Oh my gosh. And EDS gets worse with age. Yeah. Oh, what does that mean for Violet? I mean, Rebecca, bestie number two, what does that mean for you? But what does that mean for Violet? Because she's already having all these issues and she's only 20. And writers, don't they write until they die? I mean... Well, and you got to think, if she falls off and she's getting thrown around a lot, like, how easy is it then for things to rupture and be torn and broken? And, like, what wrong hit? I mean, she fell on the parapet and knocked her knee out of place. Any other person would just have a bruise, but her whole leg was, excuse my French fucked yeah from one fall from standing up to now being on a knee could you imagine falling off of Taryn and mm. well, i don't like it and just getting like hit the wrong way i mean in training if, what if they hit a blood vessel or an organ and it's ruptured and like then what all of these things it's uh... and obviously the medical like the healers aren't that great if they can't figure out and fix what's wrong with her well yeah. i mean they don't even know what it is yeah do you have a favorite quote from the book? Do you have one? I think I won't die today. I will not die today. 
I think that that just sums it up. One is don't borrow tomorrow's trouble. Ooh. I love that. And then the other one is none of this is worth it without you. Those are really good ones. And then a funny one. Okay, this is my favorite funny one <laughs> because my husband said something like this. She said, oh gods. And he said, which one are you calling out for? Because it's just you and me in this room by and I don't share. So that, that one's a good one. Oh, okay. I, I liked... <laughs> It was kind of a spicier moment when Violet was like, would you like me to just go get Liam or whoever else? And he was like, no, like just immediately like, what do you mean? You know, when they're about to like get it on and she's like, I mean, if you don't want to, I'll go find someone else. And he immediately just like, fuck, no, stop. I just kind of liked Violet getting confident and playful. She was very, it was very nice to see from the very quiet reserved oh libby beginning from uh, if we're if we're talking about the not dying coming in last is better than coming in dead yes literally a win's a win abby i've said this before a win is a win not dying that's a win in my book with that we're calling all dreamers we want to hear from you guys send us an email to a court of thorns and podcasts at gmail.com or sign into our instagram dms you know whatever 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 you're feeling, that's, that's fine. It's up to you. We're okay. Tell us everything. How you found the series, your favorite characters, questions you have for us. Also, if you like us at all, even a little bit, just a teeny bit, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Spotify to help us find more of our bookish friends. Our star of the week this week is uh, real, e- real easy. Really easy. Do you want to know who it is, Libby? I have a hunch, but please tell me. Bestie number two, Rebecca. Yes, Miss Rebecca. Miss? Mrs? Who, you know what? She's her own girl, Rebecca Yaros. She is our star of the week. I'm not going to link her because you guys have read her book at this point. And, you know, she's the star. Ta-da. The shining dragon. Star lady. We love it. To the people who listen and the dreams that are answered. We'll see you next week. And remember, don't let the hard days win. Oh, and... We can't wait to join the revolution. You can hear me from the dark. It's a man from the fight. It's me taking all my feelings. You in my head, you in my heart. I'm living in the dark. Share? I thought you said share. God damn it, share. Don't you dare. How dare you be so rude to share? She is an icon. We love share.